leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. peeps we are live with another edition of breaking into Cybersecurity. it is CISO Thursdays uh, I am Renee Small cybersecurity super recruiter helping awesome leaders hire great talent and we have a full house of wonderful amazing people starting with my co-host Chris Fulham. Happy Thursday everyone love love this coming together of masterminds like our guest Olivia Rose and Mr. James Azar, I'm just blessed to be in their company. I agree. James? Well, yeah. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you have yet to give me such a great intro in like the year or so we've been doing this. So I'm <laughs> humbled uh, beyond uh, any words. Thank you. And then excited for today's episode. Excellent. So we want to introduce Olivia Rose, who is back. Olivia, it's yeah. been what, a year? Since you've been, I think it was over, no, longer than that. Over that, about a year and a half. Oh, oh, a, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So, CISO extraordinaire, Olivia Rose is here. Olivia, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. So happy to be here again. I'm so glad that I was uh, invited back. <laughs> we love you. We love controversy on this show. <laughs> Oh my God. Always Have we talked about time. liberal arts degrees yet? <laughs> Always a good time. Always. I recommend good. getting women's studies for <laughs> your security career. Always a good time on the show. Okay, so folks, before we get started, first and foremost, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. We are growing on YouTube. Please, please, please subscribe there and also to any of your um, listening platforms. Chris, you usually jump in and say something about the listening platforms. We are on all the famous podcast platforms as well as YouTube and follow us all on LinkedIn. That's oh, right. yeah. And, and don't forget, we're going to be moving and pretty soon people will be able to transcribe our videos and all of our shows. They can check it out. Right on our website, you guys could go to cyberhubpodcast.com forward slash breaking into cybersecurity and you can put in whatever keyword 
you want and it'll give you every single podcast and the time periods where we talked about it which is going to be super cool that's coming end of february so three weeks and counting excellent excellent that is awesome awesome sauce um james well first dutch Schwartz is saying, hey, friends. Hey, Dutch Schwartz. We got to bring you back on, too. Um, Everybody else, please chime in. Let us know where you are viewing or listening from around the country. Let us know what the weather is like. It is cold in Northern Virginia. It's, what, 17 degrees? It was like 12 degrees. It's 14 this morning where I live. It's crazy. I did not move to Atlanta for cold weather. I just want to point that out right now. That's what I said in Virginia. You're in Atlanta, James. Yeah, I, I did not move here for this cold weather. If I wanted cold weather, I would have stayed in Colorado. Um, I, I migrated south for warmth, and I end up getting snowstorms of three inches that, like, paralyze everyone. Uh, yes, same here. I just, I just want to point out that when I got my driver's license, my birthday's in November, I was 16 years old, and I did my driving test in the midst of a seven or eight inches of snow on the ground. Like, that was my driving test with the DMV. Because back then, they were like, oh, yeah, you know. So what if it's snowing? Today, my daughter, she get, they get like three inches of snow. It's a snow day. Yeah. <laughs> Same in D.C. It's like shocks me because I don't remember ever having, not having school in New York. Um, specifically for like these little five inch and six inch. It was like, oh, that's easy. It's an easy day. But we can't handle the heat or the snow down here in a. In the DC area, so yep. And uh, Steve Upshaw is always checking in from San Diego. Hey, Steve, and I see you're on YouTube, so I'm really excited about that! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so James, please kick us off with um, oh, the LinkedIn feed isn't streaming. Tell you, I had issues with LinkedIn this morning, I couldn't get my practitioner <sighs> brief, there was a big delay, uh, but but it is streaming because Dutch and Chris are seeing it, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's on there now. Yikes. So, so there, there's a slight delay uh, with LinkedIn. Um, so. Never fun. Never fun. So James, remembrance. Yeah, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, which you know, as a uh, member of the Jewish persuasion, uh, Me with too. family. Me too, thank you, thank you. And so it's great. The tribes all over the place, but I love it. Um, I've got the Israeli flag behind me today. Sorry, over this shoulder. Um, both of my, my wife wife's uh, family are, are all Holocaust survivors. Her grandma was escaped out of Austria at the age of four to South America. Um, today's the day that Russian forces and Western forces, American and British forces, um, got into Bers- uh, um, Auschwitz and Birkenau and freed those camps and um, just to share a little story. So I went to Auschwitz in January of 2013, I think it was. Um, I was wearing four layers of clothing because it was really, really cold. And I was still freezing my tail off. And then I saw the clothes that the Holocaust survivors and people that were in those camps had to wear. Mm-hmm. And I wondered the kind of strength and survival that they had to have to have a layer of, of clothes that is, my t-shirt is more absorbent than what they've had on. Uh, and to have to sleep on hay bales. And um, let us not forget that. And I know we're on the 
alleged brink of war, but it took Russian and American troops to defeat the evil Nazis. So uh, keep that in mind uh, today and every day. And remember that, you know, it didn't take much to get people to turn on each other. So. Yeah. My, uh, my entire generation, two generations ago, were just wiped out. Yeah. I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm lucky to be alive. Uh, due to my grandfather escaping, he was the only one in the family um, they could afford to send to England. Yep. Uh, so when you, and you feel, and I'm just going to wrap up by saying this, you know, it's, it's, only what 80 years ago or something i mean it's, it's not than, even yeah it's yeah, not even bad and, and that people just don't remember it and like you know i think when it affects you you start to see the signs of yeah it could happen again um and that's scary so yeah I've, the the german um i was reading something this morning olivia that the german defense uh internal defense minister kind of like their dhs was saying we know that Germany today is no longer safe for yarmulke wearing Jews. Oh, no, uh-uh. We can no longer defend them. No, I would never go because my last name is Rose. It's short for Rosenbaum. Because uh-huh. when my grandfather came to England, they didn't know how to spell Rosenbaum, so they shortened it to Rose. Um, I, I grew up very young with my father telling me he was a professor of history, uh, saying whenever you travel, if somebody asks you if you're Jewish, you say no. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah, my um, my granddad on my dad's side, uh, both both my parents' lineage comes from Belgium, and uh, as many might know, Belgium was overtaken, and nice. many of them were in in internment camps. I, I specifically know that my my granddad was this, on my dad's side was in internment camps, and um, yeah, yeah, it, it affects it affects more people than people know. Yeah. I think I think World War II, the cost of World War II was over 90 million lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Between soldiers that perished in war, civilians who were murdered, the six million Jews who were executed systematically in the final solution. Um, so um, and, and the aftermath, the fa- the the famine aftermath, the the families that were wiped off. Um, mm-hmm. if you ever go to Israel and you go to Yad Vashem. Um, there are entire family lineages that were wiped off map just gone Mm. Um, so yeah it's uh um today's a day we remember you know in israel um the holocaust remembrance day is not in january it's it's actually closer to may um and and it's um it's 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 quite the spectacle to be in israel for it when you see the entire country stop for two minutes everything Mm -hmm everything stops for two mm-hmm. minutes. I grew up in Israel and I, yeah, we, we used to just stop for two minutes and it was such a powerful moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. So, so just remember that, that don't let, you know, the Holocaust started by people turning on each other and thinking that your, your neighbor's your enemy. And that's, that's not the case. We're all one community and, mm-hmm. and doesn't matter who you vote for. doesn't matter what side of the thing you're on. We're still human and we have to share this planet, this earth, our communities, our streets, our roads, our restaurants, and our facilities and schools and our kids. You know, they still go to the same schools, folks. So right. get off Twitter, get off Reddit. <laughs> and live. People and live, <laughs> live with liberal arts degrees. And don't get liberal arts degrees. <laughs> 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 
by all means, go study a trade. Do not go get a liberal arts degree. You're better off going to become an electrician. You'll earn more money and you'll have fulfillment in your life. You'll have an actual purpose. Yeah, the, the LinkedIn stream is still is still causing issues, but um, wow. yeah, it's crazy. I'm just going to say one thing. It's thanks to women's studies major that I managed to graduate college because <laughs> it was the only one that would let me into their major <laughs> to graduate. But, but I think that's the oh. problem, right? So, so I get that there should be like an entrance exam for being a medical doctor mm-hmm. or a pilot right? Because those are life-saving types of roles. But if you want to go and study to be an IT person or security or a developer or an engineer, like stop with all of these, like you've got a test in order to, to, to yeah. you know, score. Let people like, not everyone can get good grades in the traditional sense of way. Not everyone learns the same way. There's yeah. There's a set of like diversity of thought that like has to be accounted for here and this whole like testing. And if you don't make it, then your whole life is ruined and your plans are destroyed and you can't go get your major. I think that's just, I don't want to say elitism, but I feel like that's just how colleges make more money, right? Go come and enroll in this major and pay us more money and get out of debt. I was listening to Tim pool. Yes. Last night or this morning was talking about the, like the amount of students who leave college with 150 grand in, 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 in school debt and they can't start families. They can't move out on their own because they're in debt. The moment they leave, they're already in school. They're enslaved to have to pay back their student loans that just like, I mean, I didn't go to college. I'm glad I don't have that debt. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'll, I'll go study if my employer pays for it. Right. Every time I hear a story like that, I just shake my head. And the the the, the super sad part is that these they can't get a jo- like the jobs don't align to the student loan debt. Like there's no correlation. Like you know, you go to med school, liberal whatever. arts degree, you pay eighty grand to be a barista at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we picking on liberal arts degrees? That is and he, he, he just does it every day. I do it every day. I just do it every day. have not show. been watching our show. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there are some degrees where at this point they should just be outlawed. And, and, and high school counselors should do a better job at going to their students and going like, if you don't know what you want to be, go study a trade. Like go do anything. Be an electrician, a plumber, an engineer, a truck driver, a learn how to move stuff within you know an airport i don't know do something <laughs> until you olivia. figure out what you want to do in life right. and it's never too late oh no, olivia. <laughs> we we're not picking on number one we're not picking on you and number two james invited you this time so he clearly i didn't i didn't do the invite chris did the invite chris did the invite hey hang on chris did the invite not You're me like- Renee, James has never obviously been on a webcast with me. <laughs> that, <laughs> this is the thing, James. This is going to be fun. James, James. <laughs> so in liberal arts, you learn, you understood, understood that they're in liberal arts. It's, it's more about reading and the softer skills, perhaps. 
and understanding theory. And yeah, those don't translate necessary, necessarily into directly into a viable trade, like being a plumber. Absolutely. But once liberal art majors or people who are good and have those skills, I'm not going to just focus on people who get to go to college. Once those people with those skills being able to theorize, compare, write efficiently, effectively, um, being able to emote and understand audience and targeting, once they figure that out which, uh, how to apply those skills, they will, they will succeed in any career they go into. For example, security. I'm a very good security practitioner. Why? I am not the most technical person in the world. Everybody knows this. I can't even set up my own Wi-Fi network and I get confused when I have more than one monitor. It completely throws off my day. And I love email. <laughs> I don't like IMs and slacks. However, because I'm also old as dirt, but uh, however, the skills I have from my liberal arts, art, liberal arts degrees allow me to be a dang good strategizer, communicator, influencer, persuader, writer, and all of the above. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. So you are the first person to come on the show and articulate a direct experience from a liberal arts degree in that manner. What a, I was a women's studies degree, so the most well, useless. I, I, I would disagree with that, James. Who articulated because it any I, better I, than Olivia? Alan Alford has been on the show and has articulated it very similarly. And you didn't pick you didn't pick on him, um, but you're you're not picking on Olivia either. You're just picking on the degree. I'm picking on the degree. Yes, I am. Because I think I feel like what, I feel like what Olivia I feel like what Olivia just highlighted, and 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 with all due respect, right? I feel like what Olivia just highlighted is kind of what I like to call kind of like. I have a few cartels I, I, I have like hashtags for, right? I've got the data cartels. That's one hashtag, right? Then I've got the SOC2 cartels. That's another hashtag, right? Anyone ever seen a bad SOC2 report? Nope, never, never. You've seen a bad SOC2? Someone actually paid for a bad SOC2? How have you not seen a bad SOC2 report? I have never seen a bad SOC2 report. In like 12 years, I've never seen one. I've always gone like spotless SOC2 reports. Oh, you mean of your own? No, no, I, of like of like vendors, of like people I'm auditing. Like someone, like we're, we're onboarding a vendor and I'd be like, all right, let me see your, they'd be like, here's our SOC 2 report. Look at it, it's spotless. And I'm like, Oh, right. okay. You're saying bad as in a sarcastic manner, meaning it's always clean and spotless. I'm, I thought you were saying you've never seen one badly done. And I'm like, I see badly done ones every day. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, the SOC 2 is useless, right? When someone sends oh, yeah. me a SOC yeah. 2, I just, um, I ignore it. It doesn't yeah, exist. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but, and, and then my third cartel is kind of like this, this liberal arts cartel. And I'll explain, all right? Um, because I feel like everything Olivia just said could be taught in the process of learning an actual craft and skill in, in, in the university. It should be part of what we learn in high school. You shouldn't even have to go to college to gain those skills. Yeah. It's, it's the, the fact is that you end up having to learn life skills that you should have actually done in high school, but now you're $80,000, $90,000 in debt um, for learning life skills that really we should you should have gotten in high school. 
think, I think that's where my beef two things here, James. I think you're confusing life skills with needing to go to college. Uh, all right. You're, so, you're making two. No, no. So I don't think people need to go to college necessarily. Right, I think so that if, that's I, I think, I think if, if our high school and middle school programs were more efficiently run, everything that you've just described should be part of a standard high school curriculum. But, but this is the thing. That's your point. Yep. Which I think that is my point. With. But right. the whole liberal arts angle you take on it is doesn't that doesn't make any sense well because I, your point is that people kids should be learning life school uh, life hacks life communication soft right? skills soft skills in grade school middle school high school absolutely right then they don't even need to go to school absolutely right but I think that's your. I, I, feel, I feel like I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like the degree itself. So so let me let me let me speak to the point of the degree because you're you're right, and and I'm glad we agree on some things. But here's where I think this is. I think this is a, um, it's a very expensive thing for most students to go and get a liberal arts degree to learn specific skills. That you're right could make them very very good at other things in life, but by the but. How many people actually walk out of that with that degree and end up going and doing something meaningful thereafter and don't fall into that? No, well, but hang on. How many people in general go to college and walk out and do something meaningful? I think college, I think I think we're agreeing on the same point. College itself, I don't remember a day of college, not because I didn't party, but because I was a terrible student. I don't remember a day of college. I think what we're saying is the same, but right. your liberal arts degree argument is not really making that much sense to me. Okay. So so I want to I want to make the sense in the fact that I think that that degree shouldn't even be offered. I think computer science shouldn't be offered. I mean, I I see I, I could actually agree with that. I actually agree with that. I don't think computer science right. should be math? offered. What do you need math for? I I don't know. What do you need uh, Well, well you do for? need math. People still need math. I mean, if your iPhone battery dies and you've got to calculate a tip by 20%, have you seen what happens at a restaurant? Have you ever been in a place where someone's got to add 20% in their head now? Yeah, but do they do people really need a PhD in math? I mean, seriously. I, How I far can well, you go? I think I think some people <laughs> math but I think some people need a PhD in math. I think cryptography is a great example of the, the, the advancement of cryptography can only be applied through mathematics and formulas. And right. it takes someone very, very smart. I don't know that you need a college degree per se no. to do that, but a PhD tends to get people to listen to you because those credentials mean something. So when you read a white paper and it, it's so funny, I used to like, you know, right guys ready for my Gartner rant. Cause it's coming. Oh, All right. Man. Because because you see like a, someone's got like writing a report and they've got like a PhD or or something next to it and people will be like well this person's a PhD he's super smart and you're like no that just no let's let's not assume that because someone has a degree makes them smart you know what can I just interject real quick whenever I see a master's degree a PhD degree in uh, anything to do with security you know what what my first impression is or what my first thought is. Wow, you just wasted a ton of ton of money. <laughs> I would disagree with that. I would disagree with that. As I have a master's in IT with an emphasis in information assurance, I would disagree with that. In regard, to... in... <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
She's laughing at your degree. This yeah. is awesome. <laughs> Olivia, you are officially coming back next week in the week after. <laughs> what did you possibly learn? So how long did it take you to get that degree? It took me a year and a half. Okay, so a year and a half. Yes. What would you have learned being an intern or being at a job in a year and a half? None of none of the things that I learned in my master's like, would have been exactly that's my point. No, that, that that's what I'm saying. I all the things that I learned would not have been able to be acquired in a year and a half working somewhere unless it was potentially a government higher up secret program where you're training individuals specifically in this area. Interns today do not learn about the 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 depth of cryptography do not learn about the foundations of security you're sent out to do less tasks because people don't believe in their potential no 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 no. okay well that's a whole separate conversation that i think we do want to get into however the no people learn more in one and a half years on the job than they do working in a sock than they do with getting a master's or PhD. Really? So, so the only Talk reason people one, get so the only learn reason... more than I did in my master's. I would disagree hey, with you Chris, there. Chris, let me let me stop you for a second. Hang on. Let's go back. Why did you do the master's degree to begin with? Yeah. What was the objective? The objective was to have more more in-depth knowledge about the way security is used, applied and architected within an organization. So, I would tell you, so you were you were in Book a position. Learned. I'm sorry. Book learned knowledge. Yeah. No, no, because I was able to apply everything that I learned within organizations that I've consulted. Right after, once you got more experience. Sorry to interrupt you, James. No, no. Before, so so, so I think I'm never being invited back. <laughs> Chris, your your goal. No, no you're no, coming no. back. See, last time it was me. I, I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind anything. people with different views. Just like I, 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 James and I have a great time. Like I don't mind people having different views, but I would disagree with the fact that what you learn in a master's you could learn in a SOC analyst role because most SOC analysts at level one are tasked with triaging alerts and they don't fully understand the entire environment that you're in and how security is applied and how to use different behavioral theories to allow users to do things more securely agreed however may i ask a question agreed agreed with all that when you graduated with your master's what job did you get i advanced into a security role what was the security role i was leading a security program consulting for uh, an azure gov cloud deployment so right out of getting your master I'm, I'm just curious because typically that doesn't happen right so i'm just curious so right out of getting your master's degree somebody said a company gave you a leadership role i was already in the leadership role function i was already in the leadership role Oh, oh, you already had the role. I'm talking No, I already had a leadership role, just not in security. Okay. So I think then this is a bad example then. I mean, for, because typically when you get a master's in security, right, then you go get your first security job. 
not necessarily, but yes. Right. So what do those jobs tend to be? Entry well, level? that depends on the level of experience. Are you someone that is already experienced in your career right. and going back for a master's to get additional knowledge? Or are you a student that's just continuing your educational right. track and going for a master's? So my you comment, and I should have clarified this because you're absolutely right. When I said, when I look at a resume, and there's no experience, I should have said this, there's no experience on there. What somebody says is they got their master's and or their PhD in security related field. I think to my, the first thing I think is what a waste of money that relates to that. that, that, I see exactly what you're saying. And I agree with that. If you have the, some experience and then you go back to your master's and then you come back into a leadership role. Absolutely. But if you're one of these people, and I'm going to say it point blank, if you're one of these people, who thinks it's better to just stay in school in security, you are barking up the wrong tree. You need to get out there and get experience, however that experience is. I I agree with that. I personally did my bachelor's and my master's while working. I was never a a solely education-focused individual. And that's how I think you could become a balanced, rounded candidate. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, So... do you do you disagree, Olivia, with master's degree in general for people who don't have experience? Do you kind of like like does, a, does an that, MBA? Depends what field you're in. So, so if someone let's just say studied something general, let's say uh, government okay. relations, and all of a sudden they get a uh, cybersecurity master's, what are you going to do with that? Is that even possible? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Masters, as long as you've got a bachelor's, you can go to any master's program. Yeah. Really. So what do you, but what it's do all you money, do right? For, for universities, again, people like think like universities are like these innocent, like holy institutions oh. where they bestow knowledge upon you. No, they're not. Those are like the biggest cash cows on the planet, man. I think like Harvard's got billions in the bank. Billions yeah. in the bank. More yeah. than, I yeah. think their but, endowment is something like more than X amount of countries. It's something it, it's, Yeah, yeah. It's also upon the student to take in the knowledge and apply it in their in their roles or in their life well, versus just expecting everything to be absorbed and they'll magically get their role. So they so, have to go out and do effort as well. They can't just absorb the information and expect, oh, I've absorbed the masters and therefore I should be treated like this or I well, should. Yeah, but they are, but they absolutely do. And that's because there's an entitlement that comes with going to a university, right? I've got my master's and the whole time they're like, you're going to leave here and people are going to be chasing you down the street. Recruiters are going to be calling you off the hook. People like Renee are going to be chasing you like, please interview for this role. Please bestow <laughs> your awesomeness and greatness and all experience. this knowledge <laughs> that you have into this organization. And then they realize that they're applying for a SOC analyst role with a <laughs> master's, right? They can't get. Because no, they can't I, I would get. Because I would they're definitely never, never recommend someone role. with a master's apply for a SOC analyst role. How many people well, have think- we had on this show, Chris? I understand. had master's or were like going to get more certs and they couldn't even get a SOC analyst role doing a mid-career transition. How many people did we like? Let me take you back a year and a half ago when we were doing the CISSP. You have have people that are that go out and get a CISSP 
after being in the field for X number of years and then expect that the CISSP is going to magically get them a role either. But there's more to a CISSP than yeah. there is to a college degree. Yeah. Like you're okay. almost better off, like you're almost better off, like finishing, finishing, you know, high school and going and getting a security plus cert and going and becoming a SOC analyst at 19. Yes. Well, that, that that's a different story. Right. Yeah. Then, then you within, are. Within the, the masters that I did, we covered all the domains within the CISSP. And I completed my master's before I did my CISSP. And it was like a review for the CISSP that I did before it. So it's this, I look at it the same way. Unless you so have what you're essentially experience. saying is the university you went to took the CISSP handbook, built a course, made it a master's, uh, said, uh, hey, everyone, come here, take yeah, this I, I didn't, No, like, I didn't pay say us, that. Pay us five figures. That was just a part even, of the program. Right? That was just a part of the program. I mean, where's my CISSP book? It's somewhere here. Oh, it's that doorstop. I, I typically use it like as as weight on papers. I don't want yeah. to fly off, right? It's just nothing will blow away under that thing. Yeah, nothing blows away on that book. <laughs> nothing. My three month old can't move anything when that book's on top of it. I don't know where that. You know what? Oh, there it is. Can I just oh, say? So, so is the Nest eighty three fifty three. Look at how many trees died for this. <laughs> And why did you buy it? Because I needed to have the book. Like that's that's like I'm, I, am, I, am, I am like, dude. I've got a library here, and I've got a bigger one upstairs. Because I am a, I still order my books. Like I love the smell of paper. He loves the under his pillow. Frostnosis. But do you read them, or or do you just put it on your head and expect it to come down? <laughs> I, so here's what I do. I I open the book and I go to sleep next to it. <laughs> And I've been told that what your brain absorbs more while you're sleeping than when you're awake. <laughs> but can I just say something here? All of this oh, doesn't boy. matter. And I'll tell you why. School, certificates, experience, knowledge. When This is my thing. I meet a lot of young people who are new in this field. And I know right off the bat, and I think all three of you know as well, Who's going to be successful? And I'll tell you why. And I want to know if you agree with me. I have hired people who have zero experience, zero certs, zero knowledge, because there's something in their eyes that says they're absolutely nuts about security. There's a little bit of shine and a gleam there when they start talking. And you're like, because my thing is, and I don't mean to offend anybody, Every single person who has been in this field for a very long time is a little bit off their rocker. We're all a little, come on now, admit Just it, admit it, admit it. So when you see young people and they have that little bit of a glimmer and you're like, I know exactly that you're going to be. Just the right person for it. Yeah, I. You, you, you mentioned something, and I, I had a debate earlier on LinkedIn with someone, and I wanted to bring it up in this forum. You <laughs> mentioned you saw a glimmer in their eyes. Yeah. How important is in this time of COVID, where everything is remote and virtual, having a face to face with someone virtually? Oh no. So no. would you hire would you hire someone without seeing them 
as part of the interview process? No, I would not because I want to see that sparkle. I don't care if you're purple. I don't care. I don't care what you look like. I don't care. But I want to see that spark. But, but, but body language is important, right? The sparkle Very is body important. language. But there was something I just I just brought on an intern and I love her. And she reached out to me. She saw me on some podcast, uh, some woman's security webcast thing. Oh, Dave, she security uh, or something. And um, somebody wanted me on the panel. And uh, so she reached out to me on LinkedIn and she said, you know, I'm really impressed. I'm, I just graduated from school, uh, you know, da, da, da. can we talk? And I said, sure. Right. Cause you know, that's my sweet spot. And, um, she has a little bit of that. And I, so I thought of her and she wasn't right for the junior role that I was hiring for, but about two weeks later, I was like, I can get, I, I want her as an intern. I know I want this person, however I can get her. And so I reached out and said, would you be open to that? It's paid internship, but would you be open to that? And she said, yes. So there's something to be said. You've got to go for these people who have this glimmer in their eye. Well, Olivia, I saw oh. your post the other day. And oh my gosh, gosh, that thing is crazy. It got like 12,000 likes or something like that. I don't know. I can't see the views, but I saw the likes and I was just like, whoa. It's like 15,000. Oh. No, it's like. 850,000 views, 450 comments. That was this morning. For, I am the lead. I mean, I am not a social media person. I mean, and I've gone viral, which is nuts. Yes, you did. Because Great. it sparked, I mean, it, it, it goes to show once again, you know, to all of these points. And Olivia, you can talk about the post. Well, actually, before we talk about the post, let me put up some comments here because people are having a blast. Will says, this is totally a quote, I'm grabbing the popcorn episode, guys. Nothing wrong with a little healthy debate. That's why I said we have to have Olivia come back often. She is a barrel of fun. Will says, I still like the idea of rebranding, quote, soft skills as essential skills. I think it was proposed by one of you guys previously, um, which is true. It's absolutely necessary. Um, David Ruiz at some point said, my first thought is I bet they use password one, two, three, four. I think Chris was making a comment. Um, Dutch says knowledge, skills, experience, competency, and mastery are different things. And it's possible to do simultaneously or to do in different paths. Yes. He's always thoughtful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dutch says so that a competency, so that's a competency, Olivia, drive for results and self learner are competencies. Those are separate but affirmative to knowledge IT skills. Um, so so, so additive, let, 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 me, let me hang on. Let me disagree there with Hold Dutch on. for just a second. All right. Because I think that if you have that, you're just off the balance just a little bit as Olivia was so, so eloquently pointed out. We're a little we bit crazy. Are. We're a little bit not normal per se. There's such a thing as normal, right? And, and so that drive, that lack of, of that, that you gain that because you're, you're, you have that passion for it. You've got that drive, that desire to be curious, right? And the eternal curiosity. Yeah. I mean, we get complacent, man. I can't tell you, like I, I just posted yesterday, my three month old kid is like really reignited my curiosity. Oh, wow. It's like obsessed with like ceiling fans, right? <laughs> 
Like he sees a ceiling fan and he's like, holy shit, oh, look at that thing. Then what are those? Are those wings? How does that all post. work? Is mm-hmm. it going to fall down on me? What's it going to wow. do? A very intelligent three-month-old to be thinking this Right? Way. And he's like staring at it. He's trying to touch it. If I hold him up, he'll like reach for it to grab it. Right? And I'm like, okay. All right, curious kid. And and I'll put other things in front of him. And he's very curious. And everything goes in his mouth at this point. Right? He's figured out motor skills. Grab, hold, bring. Um, which is a problem. Um Right, because everything ends up in his mouth at some point, and it's just like, no, no, some stuff should not go there. But his curiosity really kind of reignited my own curiosity because we get complacent. You get into the CISO role, you get into the leadership role, and your curiosity goes away because you're dealing with everything else that's around you. You're so surrounded by everything. Um, you're so inundated. You know, I think more most CISOs play politics than they do security. Right, you're trying to navigate the the you know the 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 complexities of an organization um that you're not really get you don't get to play master laboratory you don't really you know you're a day in the sock for you is not even a day in the sock it's like all right what are we dealing with what's you know Mm -hmm. see what's progress you know how are our systems working and then you're out of there and so um so it reignited my curiosity. It really has because my kid's been like one of those things that's been like, yeah, you know, I need to be more curious. I need to spend more time being more curious than just wearing, you know, and being, being, you know, the role, the, the title, the, the job that comes with it. I have two questions for Olivia. The young lady who um, is the intern, what kind of, what undergraduate degree does she have or does she have a master's? She's going to undergraduate. And honestly, I couldn't tell you what it was. Don't okay. care. <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. Okay, I'm just curious. Yeah. And then, uh, secondly, your the post obviously resonated with so many different people. Um, you've hired folks without right without all of the 99 requests that people put on job descriptions and oh, all yeah. this craziness. What would you say to your peers? Like, you know, why do you think that this is still happening, you know, so many years later? I mean, Chris and I started this podcast because this is what we were up against. So it just, it, it, it always boggles my mind, like why people haven't figured out to start doing this. I mean, what do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you point blank what it is, because I know what it is. We don't have a talent gap. We have a lazy set of um uh, experienced security professionals and leaders. I'll tell you exactly what it is. People don't want to train. So we have uncountable numbers. I mean, it's disgraceful numbers of young people who are graduating or not even going to school who are just trying to get their foot in the door and they will take anything to get into security they are driven they are dedicated but you know for some reason everybody wants somebody with one year two year three year experience and you know what you ain't gonna get it because there's nobody out there with that level of experience because people are too lazy to bring people in as interns well, it's it's ROI, Olivia. I think I think what you're talking about is is um, is is the ROI of bringing young people in. Um, and I've been in different companies, right? Like you have, yeah. And so you know, we have some organizations that are all about you know bringing young, uh, curious talent in. 
and kind of, you know, helping them grow within the company um, and really, you know, make sure they fit the culture and we'll teach them the skills. But let's get them first fitting the culture. Right. But then you've got others who are more um, who are more like, yeah, we're, we don't have time to waste. Right. And I think this is the difference that I think is a challenge for many CISOs. And I kind of want to point this out specifically to the difference between hiring people and outsourcing, right? If you don't have the time to groom and you're in an organization that says, um, we need this done tomorrow and you need the experience, outsource. Go to one of the big firms, go to an MSSP, say, this is the work I need, scope it out, have them bring the people, get it done. For everything else, try to find, you know, that young hungry talent that you can work with and grow in and, and, you know, build with and build a security program with and watch them grow in the ranks because you know, what's a, what's a mark of a good CISO. And if you ever, if you ever want to see that, like there's nothing better, watch a CISO leave an organization, then watch the amount of leaders that follow that person to where he's Mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, I I know, I know some organizations where they'll reach out and, you know, you're, they're, they're trying to replace a CISO and a recruiter will call me and be like, Hey, we want to, you know, they want to interview you for this role. And, you know, I'll know the CISO who left there. And I know the attrition that's about to follow. And you're like, yeah, mm. I'm not up to jumping into the, that pool's mm. going to be toxic for about, <laughs> you know, two to three quarters. That's just not the right role for me at this point. Mm-hmm. Because that CISO that was there previously that left, you know, he's going to be, people are just going to quit and leave. He or she. He or she or, or they or them or, They're you know. They're going to quit and leave them. Leave with them, yeah. They gotta follow them around because this industry is all about trust. Yep, and it's all about knowing how to work together. Yeah, and if if you're a CISO and you see your career path as being a leader, even if you're a VP, even if you're a uh, a director of security operations in an organization, let's say you're your second line CISO reporting, you don't even report directly to the CISO, but if you see yourself as being a future leader, building that trust within your team. And developing those people and bringing them in without experience and investing and training them is going to be really, really rewarding. And smart CISOs will empower their directors and managers to do just that, meaning that'll be part of their KPIs. It'll be part of their annual review. It'll be part of their compensation. How many people did you bring in, train, and how many of them are with the company six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months? How many of them are moving with you as you move along? meaning you're getting promoted, you're promoting the people you're bringing with you, and now you've got really a hierarchy uh, mm-hmm. of sorts. And so I, I also want to address, you're absolutely right, and I also want to address, I think it was yours comment, your comment, James, about people not having enough time to train or whatever. You know, honestly, my calendar looks like somebody threw up on it every morning. I can't even, I, I literally spend so much time just, double booking, undouble un- booking doubles and triples. I mean, I still have 30 minutes a day that I that I have to help somebody, to train somebody, to talk with somebody. I still, I still have 30 minutes a day. I don't buy this too busy. I don't buy it. That means you're in your head. You think you're overly important. You're not. Well, so what, what I, I mean think- by, so let's define training and, and, and actually building a relationship with someone. What you're talking about is what I like to call the kind of like the one minute manager or the five minute manager, right? The, the concept of you're able to really develop relationships in very little time. You don't have to do the three hour 
kind of like introspective, you know, let's talk about every single bad and good thing that's happened in our lives. And, 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 and like, you can do stuff in 15 minutes. That's why like my calendar, my calendar, people always laugh because I've got like an espresso meeting and a double espresso meeting. I'm making a single espresso. It takes me about 15 minutes to make it and drink it. That's how long our meeting should last. Right. And I can train someone in 15 minutes. I'm not supposed to give them the answers. I'm only supposed to point them in the directions for them to go find the answers. Because as Olivia pointed out, if they've got that sparkle, if they've got that passion, if they've got that curiosity, then all they want from me is not the answer. They want to know how they can go and find it. And that that's the difference between like a, a coach leader and a teacher leader. A teacher leader wants to spend the time to share all the information and tell them how to do it. A coach leader will expect them to come with the problem and come with solutions and you help guide them. Or like if they're going really off course, maybe you'll, you'll correct them a little bit. But other than that, they're the ones running with the solution because they have ownership in it and they're going to deliver on that. Comments, yeah. comments. David Ruiz says, I'm hungry for continued growth as a security professional reaching for the clouds. That's one of the reasons I love CISO Thursdays. Lots of great points of views and information. That's why we love it too. Dutch says, James, you might get value from the Curious Advantage podcast. I don't have time for any more podcasts. <laughs> he doesn't do have three, time. I do three of my own, right? <laughs> like I've got like how many more like... And I listen to maybe like two a week, right? Like that I enjoy listening to. And, you know, Joe Rogan podcast is like a three hour podcast, man. That's like seven other podcasts. Exactly. Um, maybe if you listen it on 2X, you could shave an hour and a half off. I, I do. I try to listen on 2X, but like the one with Jordan Peterson that went like four hours now, like there's no way I could listen to 2X. Like it's like I love to like every word that Jordan Peterson says, I like to analyze and just listen to his answers like jordan like peterson jordan peterson's a fascinating uh, uh thinker and speaker the guy speaks with purpose um and so very few people are able to speak with purpose on topics and he does so will says in my opinion there's not really such a thing as laziness it's about motivation or lack thereof if you cba to get off the sofa you probably will if I set the sofa alight. You're so, so much nicer than I am, Will. <laughs> so, so fancy. But I think, um, Olivia, no, James made a comment that was what I, I was actually going to say something very similar to, to Will with when a person, Olivia, when they say, I don't have the time, I don't have the time. Well, if it's in the performance review or if it's tied to a bonus, you know, all of a sudden the oh. time appears. Yeah. <laughs> It all appears. So then um, uh, Dutch says, James, Olivia, you said you have time. Olivia just said you have time. <laughs> I do have time. have time. But let me tell you something. You can't listen to a podcast and coach someone simultaneously. That, I'd that like is, to be able to do that, but you can't. That That is correct. But, um, for example, there is I don't have time. And then there's I have time to prioritize different things in my life like watching my baby look at the ceiling fan and enjoying time with them. Yeah. There's, I don't want to prioritize this at this point in my life, but maybe in a couple of years, I'll prioritize this. And then you choose at what time in your life you want to prioritize learning. Some people prioritize learning as a small part in a daily investment. Others will say, 
no, at this point in my life, I want to enjoy what I have. Then they get bored and then they go, okay, well, I want to learn more and they'll go out and do a project or go do something else. I think th there's so much that we get asked and pulled into as CISOs and as cybersecurity professionals. I can't tell you how many emails I get. And while we're here in an hour, right, my LinkedIn is like people listening to this or, or on YouTube going like, hey, I just heard you say this. You know, we should really talk about this awesome solution we're doing right now. Um, and it's great. Um, there's really, you don't even need people to manage it. It manages itself. It's so smart. It just needs a computer and electricity. Right? Awesome. That means I can go do something else. Yes. <laughs> Like, let this thing coach the people. Yeah, oh my God. That's great. <laughs> no, but but seriously, like we, we get we get inundated with so much stuff mm -hmm. that it's really David Nolan, and I think Olivia, you know David, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so David and I, we, we always compare notes of our spam filters on our corporate email. Right? Like, how strict is it? What are the keywords we're updating that gets you banned for a year, that gets your domain blacklisted? Webinar. Right. Webinar, yeah. that's interesting. Webinar. Um, mine is zero trust. <laughs> zero trust is another good one. Yeah, zero trust. Well, Olivia, if single you, pane of glass, you webinar, then you 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 Machine might learning. not. Yeah. I'm sorry. Chris, what were you saying? <laughs> yeah. I could go on all day. Sorry, go on, Chris. We're we're very close to a webinar, so I I, I wouldn't ban that word, but. I see your point. Yeah, you see my point. Because yeah. it's a sale, you know, it's all sales, sales emails. Yeah. Um, this has been so much fun. Oh my gosh. I, this is like, the hour has gone by. I, it's literally, I'm I'm just sitting here watching. I'm like, I don't even have to say anything this time. Like, I just <laughs> And you didn't even let me go on my diatribe about that post. <laughs> really? well, well, Talk you about it. Let's go. Let's hear it. You need to come back. Wrap, wrap, it, wrap it up. We have a, we have a couple minutes. A couple Let's minutes. wrap up the, the 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 diatribe about your post. Okay, so I'll be very honest. I had a couple glasses of wine. Uh, whatever. So every good story starts. <laughs> I'm a CISO equals alcohol, right? Uh, so I I saw somebody's post. It was somebody I knew, and they were looking for a security analyst. I'm going to say this very quickly: a security analyst with, uh, with two to three years' experience. And I was just like. I am done. I am tired. So if you look at the post, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm tired. And I'm like, if, I don't, if I'm this way, I don't know how you security newbies feel. And I go off about how not everybody has opportunity to get schooling and, and, and internships and networking and all this stuff. And I'm like, let's just do better. And I just thought it was an innocent post because I post stuff all the time. You know, I try to rile feathers. And just say the truth. I speak out for people who can't speak out. That's my thing. So I roll at this all the time. That night, I had like, I think 1,500 likes. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it just keeps growing every day. And I'm not one of those people who likes that kind of attention. So it's actually disconcerting for me. And I've gotten all these connection requests. And like, I can't even count how many emails. And to me, that's very like, um, invasive to me. <laughs> I haven't even looked at it really, but to me, it's too much. But it's it's my point here is that it obviously touched a nerve because it's true. It's true. It's and ridiculous. I said, oh, what the other thing I said was two three years is an engineer. It's not an analyst. 
This is why people can't get entry-level jobs because of people like you who post jobs, job descriptions like this. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hey, have you seen, have you seen, uh, have you seen the, um, the uh, CISO roles where they want 25 years experience to be a CISO <laughs> and, a master's and a PhD and a doctorate and a white house job and a stint in Congress. And then we'll hire you to be our CISO. Even, even requiring like 15 years of cybersecurity experience when 15 years ago, there was barely a cybersecurity field. Like, how do you expect to find anyone? I've been in security for like 21, 22 well, years. There, there's a difference between... years, I think. There's a difference between, like, having the experience and doing it in a sysadmin role, in a developer role, but it wasn't formally described as, as a field that long ago. When was the first CISO role? The CISO role, I think, is new, but the security has been... Information security has been around... Before I even got into it, and yeah, it, well, it was information assurance, and it was mostly focused on the physical aspects of information rather than the digital aspects of information. Oh no! In two thousand and five, I mean, HIPAA came out. PCI was around that time too. The CI, I got the CISSP in two thousand and five, so that's seventeen years ago. Okay. Sorry, I feel old now. <laughs> you think you feel old <laughs> well folks this has been a blast before we leave i have to talk about tomorrow um this was so much fun like i enjoy just sitting here and watching and listening and uh, not having to say much at all <laughs> uh, but tomorrow we are i am hosting a fundraiser starting at 9 a.m and it's new year new career everyone um come and watch it. It's starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's going to go on all day. We have tons of great topics, including your usual standard, um, you know, resume, careers, uh, communicating like an executive, job hunting like a hacker with Jason Blanchard, which is awesome. Um, we have Rod Eddings coming with his, he has something cool to talk about networking on LinkedIn. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of great stuff. So please, please, please check out um, my feed tomorrow. It's going to be, ha I think, believe it's going to be half on LinkedIn and YouTube. And then the rest of it will be on YouTube because we can only stream on LinkedIn for a few hours. Um, but it's starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's all day. Oh, and Chris Roberts is going to be there, too. It's going to be fun. And these oh, two oh, characters are going to be there. If you get me and Chris on the same feed, it's hijacked. It's done. <laughs> It'll be like this, which is It'll, fantastic. It, it, then I can it, go to the bathroom <laughs> Whenever Chris and I get on a call, we'll schedule 30 minutes and then we end up canceling seven other calls thereafter. We're just... well, what about this? What about that? What about this? So that'll okay. be good. Uh, Will says, great show, guys. Thanks, as always. Um, and uh, David says, great show. And thank you. See you next week. See you tomorrow, David. Tomorrow. tomorrow. And then again next week. So thank you so much, Olivia. Please come back. Please, please, please. Come I'll back. always come back. It You're always welcome. <laughs> You're always welcome. We love this. We we love, love, love all of this fun. Um, thanks everybody for being here. See you next week at another CISO Thursdays, but see you tomorrow on my feed for the fun rose. New year, new career, get a new job. Like Olivia said, you don't need degrees. To, well, multiple, all that other good stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
in the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity. Your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.